I'm Archbishop Alan Vigneron of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and this is the Eyes on Jesus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Archbishop Alan Vigneron. I'm your host, Mike Chamberlain, and we are excited to release new episodes once a month, so please make sure to subscribe and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Archbishop, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us once again. Happy to be with you, Mike. Thanks so much for uh, being my interlocutor. Oh, no problem. I know, as uh, you may have heard in the uh, intro, we, we are uh, without Mary this episode, and so uh, our prayers go with her and her family. Her, she has spent uh, the last week in the hospital with her daughter. Luckily, they went home yesterday, but um, you know, I know they need a lot of rest and sleep and recuperation as a family, so we'll, we'll try to get along without her. We will, and uh, our prayers are with, uh, with uh, all of them. Amen. Amen. Well, Archbishop, how, how was your last month? How have things been going for you personally? Oh, very well. Uh, you know, a lot of blessings this uh, last month, and even a natural blessing of seeing the daylight increase uh, every wow, day. Yeah. That yep. makes you feel good about uh, the coming of spring. I know. I'm Yes, I'm very, very excited for that myself, personally. You know, I know earlier this month, Archbishop, um, you observed a World Day of the Sick and a mass at the, at the cathedral for the sick and their caregivers and healthcare professionals. Uh, what was that like? How, how did that go? Uh, an integral part of uh, the Mass is uh, a communal anointing of the sick. And uh, I think our Lord gave us the sacrament of the anointing as a way to continue uh, His touch uh, f- upon the, the sick and His prayer for their healing, uh, mm-hmm. both physical and spiritual. And it gives me great joy as a priest to be able to be uh, sort of the impersonating, literally, Christ yeah. in uh, offering this uh, this sacrament, this this uh, mystery of making the Lord, the healing Lord, present. Yeah, this seems like such a strong theme for you, Archbishop. I know how much you are devoted to Our Lady of Lords and, and the healing ministry that happens there. And, you know, for you to say this is a highlight for you, uh, obviously you have a, a deep affection for that, that salvus, that healing nature of the Church and Christ himself, of course. Mike... Uh, uh, I mean, I, I've learned a lot. I've, I've received many graces, a lot of insight over the years of going on the pilgrimage to Lourdes, not least of which is that uh, our Lord sent his mother as an evangelist to this uh, way out of the way place, all forgotten for the most part. Mm-hmm. And where did she appear? In the village dump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as a, a testimony to the fact that that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And he's not just with us in the cheery times, the good times, he's with us in the tough times. Uh, and I think she's a, Our Lady is a great evangelist about uh, the healing power of Christ. Yeah, yeah, so beautiful. Especially because just each of us in so many different ways are oh, just always in constant need of that healing, you know? Right, um, we've all got garbage. Yeah. <laughs> We all have a garbage dump, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Oh, man. Well, Archbishop, I also heard that this last month you traveled to the Cayman Islands to celebrate the Sacrament of Confirmation. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that trip and, and why, why you were there? Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> some years ago, uh, the Cayman Islands was in, uh, removed from the Archdiocese of uh, Kingston, Jamaica, <clears throat> and entrusted to Cardinal Maida as a, a special kind of mission reality called a mission in its own right or an independent mission. 
And when I became Cardinal Midas' uh, successor, that fell to me to fulfill that role. So it's a, a way for that mission to be connected to the Archbishop of Detroit and through the Archbishop to be connected uh, to the Archdiocese. And it's, it's always a great blessing to be there. Uh, it's a beautiful, it's a parish, uh, one parish for all three islands. Hmm. There's a parish church, uh, a chapel on the main island, and a chapel on uh, the uh, far eastern island as well. Hmm. Beautiful. So, is there? There's this one priest that's uh, assigned to that that parish. Is that right? Or do they have no? We have two or, yeah. priests there. Two priests? Uh, okay. I'm in a contract with uh, the Palatine Father. Uh, the, yes, the Palatine Fathers of India hmm. to provide the the priests for the uh, the mission. And there are two priests there right now. Wonderful. And would you say you make it? You make it there basically once a year, Archbishop. Well, I did. I was doing it once a year before COVID. Yeah. 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 So it's really beautiful. It's kind of an extension of our of our archdiocese, really, right? I mean, it's kind of considered within our boundaries, if you will. Well, correct. Uh, sort of. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's uh, under our the bishop's care and therefore the care of the archdiocese, and it's a way for this mission territory. Uh, to have uh, benefit from the kinds of resources that we're able to, uh, as the Archdiocese, offer to a parish. Uh, oh. Resources for formation, resources for uh, uh, thinking through policy matters, resources for helping with planning. Yeah. And worst worst case scenario, it just gives you a great place to visit when it's uh, the winter, dreary winter months, correct? <laughs> well, I, I don't go in July, you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, well, Archbishop, we're excited for today's uh, topic. You know, today we'll be discussing Christian stewardship as defined by our faith. Uh, you know, it's such a wide-ranging topic and touches on so many aspects of our Catholic lives. Um, and, you know, I think it's a term that either gets overlooked or it's just kind of thought of only from a financial standpoint or money standpoint. But uh, so I'm excited for us to get into a conversation today around kind of its more robust and full full meaning. So, uh, I guess to begin with, Archbishop, you know, how, how would you describe or define the Catholic understanding of uh, stewardship? Define's a pretty uh, technical word. Let's say describe, if that's okay, Mike. <laughs> that's totally fine, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, stewardship is a, a virtue uh, based upon the fact that nothing we have uh, comes from ourselves. It's all entrusted to us by God. We may have a, a civil legal right to certain things, uh, to ownership, but we are not uh, the originator of even the things we legally own. And so every good gift is given to us in trust. I think that's the point of, of stewardship. Oh. We hold the material and the spiritual good things that we have in trust from God to uh, use for God's purposes. Now, do you think, I mean, obviously the word stewardship can be used kind of by our secular culture as well. Would you say that we're probably using it in a similar way, or what, what do you think makes it distinctive for us as Catholic Christians in the way that we consider that virtue, as you said, of stewardship? I think it's principally based upon uh, our sense of where the entrustment comes from. Mm. I mean, uh, if uh, someone uses a a financial advisor to do uh, planning for uh, retirement, uh, that person has uh, stewardship responsibilities. But 
what's particular about Christian stewardship is the sense of where uh, the gift comes from, that it comes from God and it's entrusted to us. And along with that uh, sense of collaboration with God comes the sense of uh, giving God thanks for, for the gift and giving God thanks for his trust in us to use his good things for his purposes. Yeah, I know so often, kind of in, in, you know, we may have heard this in church lingo, if you will, we, we hear these references to time, talent, and treasure. And, you know, if I'm hearing you right, Archbishop, you know, it, it sounds like basically the idea that our time comes from the Lord, our talent comes from the Lord, our treasure comes from the Lord, and the stewardship is really how are we giving it back to the Lord, right? Or putting it to his good uses, is that right? Right, how we put it to his good use. And yeah. uh, that doesn't mean it's not ours. It is ours, but right. it's not originally ours. And uh, he has given us many good things uh, f for our own benefit and for the benefit of others. And those are not uh, in competition. Uh, by using the good things that we have for others, uh, we're, we're doing good to ourselves. And when we do good for ourselves, it ought to be also beneficial to others. Can you think of ways specifically, Archbishop, that like on, on those three themes of time, talent, and treasure, um, you know, is there a kind of some encouragement or ways that you see the faithful, how they could be good stewards of that time, talent, treasure in a practical way when it comes to their family or friends or just in general community life? I think uh, one of the, let, let's start with the ones that, with the, of the triad, that the one I think that more immediately comes to mind, mm. most immediately comes to mind, uh, treasure. I think uh, it's pretty easy for us to understand that the material good things we have in this world uh, come to us from our Heavenly Father and we need to share them. And people are very generous when they know there's a need. I'm, I'm very struck by people's readiness to mm. reach out and help with, with money, with uh, material goods. Mm. Um, that that's so so and then but uh, talent I even I think people are maybe that doesn't come quite so much to mind but people do recognize when they have certain capacities certain gifts and they put them at the disposition of others uh, for uh, for the building up of, of the community but I, th I wonder if perhaps the least one we think about is time itself Mm. as as a kind of treasure and that God gives us each day as an opportunity to give him glory and uh, do something to build up his new creation and we ought not to waste time just like we could waste money uh, we ought to put our time to good use uh, shouldn't be now I'm not talking about going without leisure and without relaxation but right. there are ways when we could use our time more beneficially to ourselves and to other people. Yeah, it's interesting you zeroed in on time because I think it is probably the the one of those three that you just simply can't get back, right? Like money, you can always make more money or something, you know, or or talents, you can acquire new talents or you know you hone those talents differently. But time, it really is fleeting, you know. And we when we make a choice to spend our time with somebody or on something. Uh, there's a reward to that, of course, but you're not going to get that time back, like you would make money back or something, you know? So it, it is almost the most precious, it seems like, of those three. Would you agree? I do. It's, uh, and and it's, it's the most basic gift that God has given us. 
because it's existence itself. God made each of us to do him, as Cardinal Newman puts it, some specific purpose. We all have missions to accomplish. Now, God can get the work done in another way if uh, we don't take it up, but it won't be the way, it won't be his plan A if we don't uh, respond. And uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a light that uh, helps us think every day and be on watch for what we can do uh, in order to uh, advance the kingdom of God. You know, it's funny, as you're speaking, Archbishop, uh, kind of this image, and it's an image I've, I've thought through a little bit in the last couple of years, but comes to my mind, which is uh, that of a funnel. When you think about the a funnel itself, it's different than other containers, like, you know, you have a glass or some other container is meant to just, you know, receive and hold. But a funnel is meant to receive and pour out. And it seems like stewardship in a way, it's kind of, I don't know if this is the best analogy, right? Because you said that they when we receive gifts, they are our gifts, they are ours, but they're also meant to be poured out and given away. What do you think of that like kind of analogy or image of the funnel when it comes to this idea of stewardship? I think it's a great idea. And the what we have to be careful about is not thinking that when we give something away, we've lost it. Mm. Um, now that certainly, if we make a monetary contribution, if, if that's the sort of thing we give away, uh, we, we don't have that amount anymore, but uh, God, even in, in uh, material resources, God is always generous, and most people will say that when they, they're generous, God's even more generous with them. Also, though, uh, if I give away uh, $20 or $50 or whatever contribution to, say, uh, the Capuchin Soup Kitchen or uh, Catholic Charities, um, I haven't really lost it. I may not right. have it to spend, uh, but I have what I have received uh, by my own giving it away is uh, the uh, the grace of uh, cooperating with God. So in giving, I receive. And, and that's uh, even more easy to see with uh, this, uh, the immaterial goods like time and, and mm. the talent. And when you give a, when you exercise your talent, uh, give it away. Say you have a talent for uh, coaching uh, CYO and, and helping, uh, say, say the the seventh grade basketball players huh. uh, play basketball in a Christian sports sports like way, sportsman sportswoman way. You're not losing anything. You're, in fact, coming to own and possess uh, healthy uh, Christian sport uh, more by, mm-hmm. by, mm-hmm. by sharing with, with others. And that's, that's always true about spiritual goods. Yeah. When we share spiritual goods, we, uh, we, we have even uh, more profound ownership of them. Yeah. It's kind of that uh, paradox of ministry, right? Like you said, like when you, you're giving away, you're spending the time, the treasure, but you're you're almost receiving, sometimes it can seem selfish, you're receiving more, it feels like at times, you know, but that's the weird paradox about living this lifestyle of stewardship and, and generosity, right? Yes, because, you know, the very word, <clears throat> there's a tendency to think about the self as somehow uh, standing over against the community mm. and... Uh, the Christian understanding of an individual, of a self, is not that the self is uh, obliterated by the collective. In fact, if I 
give myself away to my community, uh, I become an even uh, stronger individual, uh, a stronger uh, self. Mm. So uh, we, have a, we don't have a collectivist vision of the individual in the community. We have a, really a Trinitarian vision of the yeah. individual in the community. And, and, you know, I'm talking about a number of different kinds of uh, uh, stewardship. Perhaps the form of stewardship most of the, the faithful exercise is good stewardship in their families, mm. the way they share time, talent, and treasure, spouses with one another, and parents and children. Yeah, just from a personal respect, you know, I mean, can you think of ways that uh, in your own personal life, just that your, your, your siblings or mom and dad just really exemplified to you stewardship when you were when you were growing up, you know, how you saw it in action, if you will. I mean, maybe you didn't realize it in the moment, but now looking back, you do. Um, can you think of an example like that, Archbishop? I think or? one, you know, I, I didn't expect that question, Mike, but yeah. uh, one of the ones that come to my mind is my mother's mother. And mm. my grandmother was a, a very good steward of bread. Uh, mm. She used to say that her mother told her, never burn bread. And huh. uh, so even if it was bread that we weren't going to be able to eat, it was bread for the birds. And uh, mm. uh, it's a very little example, I think. It's, it's nothing monumental, but uh, it's one of the first ones that came to my mind uh, when you, you talked about stewardship. Yeah. My grandma's stewardship of the bread entrusted to, the, to her, her kitchen. Yeah, that's a good example. You think? You think? I, I think so. I like it. I like it. <laughs> kind of homely, but yeah, no, it's caring for you know the even just the birds and the nature. It's yeah, it's a beautiful image. I know we've been speaking uh, quite a bit about time, talent, and treasure and those kind of key themes, but um, I know the USCCB has also kind of you know uh, mentioned some other you know, ways in which we are called to be good stewards of other areas of our lives as well. And I don't know if you wanted to kind of speak into some of those a little bit. Well, I think uh, stewardship is a good way for us to, uh, a lens, and the USCCB talks about stewardship of creation. It's a good way for us to take up the challenges of our Holy Father with uh, his encyclical on uh, uh, the, uh, the e ecology, uh, Fratelli Tutti. And uh, that uh, the world is given to us in trust, and uh, we hold it, we care for it, uh, uh, for everybody, and we are responsible for handing it on uh, even more healthily, in a more healthy way than, than we've received it. I think that's very important. And it, it, it's a, a Christian way to think about uh, ecology. The stewardship of creation because creation is God's own he's the owner of, of every good gift and it's entrusted to us to care for mm. now again this doesn't lead to collectivism uh, there's a piece of creation that's particularly entrusted to an individual um, there is no opposition between the universal destination of the goods of the world and uh, private property uh, in fact the kind of uh, care we take with things that uh, legally are our own uh, property is a good way to be sure that we care for it properly. Hmm. 
That's very important. And we also, this gets to, to the document talks about we're stewards of our own vocation. I think that's about the stewardship of time, mm -hmm. that uh, each of us is called to accomplish a particular purpose. Uh, each of us has a vocation. Uh, and uh, we're, we need to uh, think about how we use our life to, to uh, advance that. And to you know, tie this into the domestic church, husbands and wives are particularly responsible to help one another and the children uh, and their parents too, uh, uh, adult parents, uh, aged parents help them grow in, in holiness. That, that's a, an important form of stewardship. Mm -hmm. and then the document talks about we're stewards of the church, which is another way to talk about how uh, evangelization is everybody's responsibility. Uh, they didn't put it this way, but I translated into no bystanders. Yeah, and getting off the bench. I know that was a, you know, those two kind of themes from Unleash the Gospel were there as far as everyone getting involved and truly being collaborators and partakers of, you know, the direction of the church uh, and how, how it thrives in its evangelization element as well. So beautiful. Archbishop, how would you say, you know, I, I know just even thinking as like an individual <clears throat> within the church seeking to live out stewardship, what would you say, how do you, how do you, how would I measure that? Uh, how would I measure, if you will, and discern if I've been a good steward um, or what are, you know what I mean? How, how would you measure whether I'm really living this and, and living this uh, virtue, or if I have areas or room for growth, especially? Well, I, th I think uh, this is a place to use uh, the ordinary means of the spiritual life, the, the particular examination. Uh, the first thing is to pay attention to see whether the question is provoked in one's life by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spiritual director for every individual Christian. Hmm. Uh, he's poured out upon us in baptism to, and, and confirmed in confirmation to direct us in the path of holiness. And so uh, perhaps people listening to the podcast today will be uh, led by the Holy Spirit as they hear it to ask themselves, well, how does this apply to me? And if the question arises, and when the question needs to arise, the Holy Spirit will find a way to provoke the question. When the question does arise, to go to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, you've made me ask a question, now give me the light about the answer. What am I supposed to do mm. about this uh, living out of Christian stewardship in my life? And once a person has some light on, on the, the path that he or she particularly needs to follow, to make that a point of uh, examination for a, a significant period of time. Could be every day at the end of the day, every day at midday, just to take stock. Uh, what have I tried to do? What resolution did I make about being a good steward? and what kind of progress am I making? And when that happens, the next step is to thank God for the progress one makes and to renew one's resolution to continue on the path. Hmm. But don't try to do everything all at once. The spiritual yeah. authors say, look at, uh, look at the particular uh, path that God's leading you down and walk that one. Uh, don't try to walk them all at once. 
Does yeah. that make sense? I think so. Yeah, especially, you know, especially like you said, the, the Holy Spirit will kind of, um, being that spiritual director, will, will prompt you. And, uh, you know, that's your kind of your conscience speaking to you in a moment and, like, making you aware that maybe there, there is something lacking or something that could grow in you regarding that. And then just to really reflect on that and the Spirit will guide you, you know, that's what, that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, and, I think that and sounds... uh, he always will because there's always more we can do. Uh, so uh, the Holy Spirit will show us uh, where where the priority lies. Where's the particular way the Father's inviting you, me, uh, any one of us to be more of a son, more of a daughter? Mm-hmm. What's God's agenda for my growth and holiness? And we each have a very particular agenda. Uh, nobody's path, no one person's path is identical to anybody else's. Right, right. You know, thinking on in kind of a larger scale, I guess you could say, uh, with this regard of stewardship, we've been speaking about it from kind of the, the personal standpoint. But I know also, uh, at the conclusion of Unleash the Gospel, you kind of affirmed and said, you know, we, we must be faithful stewards to the graces of Synod 16. Um, you said it was a great spiritual treasure. And so I think you were, you know, obviously calling upon the Church of Detroit, yourself, and, you know, even your predecessors to... Um, hold up what the synod accomplished in high regard and to be good stewards of that. Um, can you expound upon that a little bit more, what you were, wh- why you chose to write that and what you were thinking when it comes to this idea of stewardship in the synod? Well, that uh, in the, we prayed for a new Pentecost, and I'm convinced that we got that, that prayer got heard. I, I just saw so many, so many blessings poured out upon us in response to that prayer. And they're not blessings for one day or one year, but they, God gave us those graces for the foreseeable and maybe the unforeseeable future. Mm. So these graces were a, the direct, uh, I mean, some of them were the directions set for the diocese by the propositions, but even more importantly, uh, the commitment uh, to uh, be a missionary diocese, uh, to... Uh, move boldly forward in this uh, uh, reclaiming of our our identity as a band of missionary disciples. And a further grace was just the the way we got there, Uh, the the experience of conversion, of prayer, uh, of mutual dialogue. Those were Mm -hmm. all very important graces. And uh, I don't want one of my hopes in writing the pastoral letter was to put them into words uh, so that they could be remembered, hmm. uh, so that uh, there, there would be a kind of a sediment, uh, uh, an etching of them uh, to be recalled hmm. uh, so that we would have them. And to be a good steward, I mean, we all have ways that we were blessed by the synodal experience, and so we all have ways of being... Uh, uh, good stewards for those gifts. For me, one of the most important ways is to not let us get distracted, not to treat uh, the commitment of the synod as something one and done, and oh. now we go on to uh, another project, another program, not to treat it that way at all, but to uh, any new thing that comes along to integrate it into the program and into the uh, directions the synod set, 
and into the commitment that we made to be a diocese on, on mission. Yeah, that's so key. I think it's so hard because we have so many things coming at us to, to just, you know, kind of it becomes a check the box. Like, okay, we did that good. It's off of our plate, you know. <laughs> and um, But like you said, to kind of keep it in the foreground, to keep it in front of us and reminding us of what we committed to and who we committed to be, that's really so key, you know. And, you know, I know um, here we are, you know, what, six years out from the, from the Synod itself when it took place. And, you know, what are some of your personal priorities moving forward when it comes to faithful, continued faithful stewardship of those uh, spiritual resources from the Synod? Principally, it's to uh, have us uh, move uh, effectively into the grouping of our parishes into families so that then we can go back and take up the real work which is to, do, uh, to develop uh, pastoral uh, uh, missionary plans for the families, to have the, the families in that planning go back to uh, unleash the gospel, to reread it again for the family and it, uh, its leaders and its members, to uh, reclaim for themselves the grace of the synod, to relive those graces. And to, dis, uh, and to discern how the Holy Spirit is calling the family to use its time, talent, and treasure for uh, the sake of unleashing the gospel. It's, so it's getting the families in, in, in a good place so that they can do their strategic missionary plan. Archbishop, what would you say, in your opinion, is, you know, you mentioned stewardship as, as truly like a virtue. Well, every virtue obviously has a, a vice. And so what would you say are some of the common obstacles or kind of the vice, if you will, of, of stewardship? What makes it difficult to embody and live out? Well, I think uh, just the fruit of the original sin that makes us selfish, uh, that uh, to imagine <clears throat> that uh, by uh, giving time, talent, treasure away, uh, I'm going to have less for myself. I mean, we all want to be happy. Mm. And uh, we have this uh, uh, fear that by making uh, a gift, I, uh, I, I wound my, my own happiness. I think that's, that's one problem. Yeah. It, it's a great temptation, selfishness, and especially selfishness based on fear. Another one is uh, to uh, undervalue the treasures that we have, uh, the gifts that we have, the graces that we have and not see that uh, there's a great scope for them to be very useful in God's purposes. Uh, oftentimes the, the right parable to think about this point is the parable of the widow's uh, might, the widow's penny. Uh, by the world's judgment, uh, what we can give in time, treasure, talent might seem very small, but in God's eyes it can accomplish a great deal. Another parable to make the same point is the parable of uh, the mustard seed or the parable of the leaven. Hmm. Uh, the, a little bit can do a great deal in the kingdom of God. Yeah, it's funny you say that because it sounds, you know, it seems like it's kind of almost a despairing mentality, right? Like, you know, who, who cares? This gift is so minuscule, it doesn't seem to matter. Um, and that, like you said, that can kind of be either a selfishness or that kind of mentality uh, seem to be what hurt stewardship as lived out as a virtue, right? So, right. You know, when it comes to um, this topic of stewardship, I wonder, 
What are some um, models that you can think of, either from the Holy Family themselves, you know, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, or from the saints? You know, what what comes to your mind when you think of um, great models of stewardship uh, within our great within our great saints and our our host of holy ones? Well, I think you are right about the the Holy Family. Uh, to, just by the example of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph living in the family, they show us uh, that uh, the family is uh, a, an organ of the church, uh, a part of the church, and a place where this virtue can, can be lived out. Um, uh, in terms of the saints, I think maybe one person I would hold up is uh, St. Therese, the little flower. Hmm. who in her uh, sense of the little way uh, had a, a very profound understanding of the power that God uh, could unleash through the little things that she did as long as she did them with love. I yeah. that, that would be a kind of, uh, she, she could serve as an example for stewardship in, in that way. That's a great example, and it speaks right to what we were just speaking about, that idea that, you know, my, my gifts seem so minuscule, like, who cares? And so you kind of get a despairing mentality with it. So that's great. Anything else you'd like to add generally, Archbishop, to this uh, topic or theme of, of uh, stewardship? I think uh, just to underscore something I mentioned earlier and take it back to the family, I think uh, obviously we don't limit one the scope of a person, a Christian stewardship to the family, but it is the, the central place for most Christians to be good stewards of their, their uh, talents, uh, certainly their time, to give time to one another and uh, to share the goods that, that they have. I know with Lent approaching very soon here, I don't know if you have any thoughts on uh, or any challenges or, or uh, recommendations of kind of what to take to prayer and thought for any of the faithful listening when it comes to you know, Lent coming on and this theme of stewardship. Is there something you'd like to recommend we consider or think through? Well, I mean, the, Lent is a time always to start over, and so it certainly could be uh, a time to just sit down and quietly ask oneself, uh, not to, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the question, uh, where are you calling me to be a better steward, uh, to, to convert from uh, being selfish to being generous with, uh, with the gifts that, that I've been given? And to think about uh, the, uh, the advantage of uh, giving things away, if we're going to talk about uh, uh, treasure, uh, foregoing something so that I might, uh, in place of what I have, somebody else might be able to have more. Beautiful. Well, Archbishop, we've reached the point in this show where we always like to have uh, questions from the faithful themselves. Uh, go ahead and, and they can submit questions to you uh, for your review and for uh, just to get to know you, of course, better. So uh, excited that we have three great questions here today, and uh, we'll dive right in. Uh, the first question is from Emily at St. Aloysius in Detroit, and she's asking how you yourself like to observe Lent and what you're maybe possibly doing this year. Uh, do you typically give up something, or do you have other ways that you set aside this liturgical season? 
What I do, uh, and I'm doing this now as we get close to uh, Lent, is to uh, look at where do I need to change? Uh, what, uh, what do I uh, particularly need to uh, give myself more generous? Where do I need to give myself more generously to God? The mm. question I've been asking myself uh, these days is, uh, where is God uh, trying to teach me how to be a better son, mm. uh, to be more abandoned to him? Uh, what do I do once uh, I get a, a, an insight on that? Then what, and this is what I'm experiencing right now, I don't particularly increase uh, my uh, spiritual exercises, the things I do every day, but I try to uh, bring a, a, a more uh, ardent, a, a deeper uh, awareness to, mm. to do them, do my meditation, to do my celebration of the uh, the liturgy, the hours, the Eucharist, with greater attention and greater preparation. So Lent is a time uh, for me to be renewed in my commitment to do what I usually do, but to do it uh, with more zeal and more uh, more generosity for the Lord's glory. And yes, I do give up uh, something for Lent because that's, that's a good spiritual discipline. Hmm. It's a way a very concrete way to remind myself that I don't, this is not home, and that I live for a, a, a satisfaction that's beyond beyond this place. I know this wasn't asked, Archbishop, but I'm just curious. What, what, was there a year that you found you gave up something and it was particularly uh, difficult? I'm a dessert guy. We were raised to eat dessert, so that's always a good thing for me to forego. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's hard, too. <laughs> Very good. Well, Archbishop, the second question here is from Jack, and he is at St. Joseph Parish in Sylvania, Ohio. So he's outside of our Archdiocese of Detroit, and he is, has a question. I may be thinking about moving here, but his question is, what are some of the things that you love about the Archdiocese of Detroit? A simple thing is home. Uh, I mean, I, this is my root. My roots are here. I... I I've known people in this archdiocese uh, all my life. I, I'm very grateful that the Holy Father sent me back. Uh, I think uh, a very great gift that the archdiocese has is the wide range of uh, involvement uh, and cooperation between uh, uh, the priests, the religious, and the lay faithful. We have uh, wonderful uh, lay participation. I'm very proud of that. Hmm. And uh, I'm proud of our, our tradition, uh, traditions of, of the faith life. The, the ethnic diversity is, uh, I think, a great gift. And not only the ethnic diversity of us in the, the Latin church, those of us who are, uh, celebrate the liturgy and live the life of the church as we have it from Rome, but one of the great blessings of uh, the Archdiocese of Detroit is we have the, so many Eastern churches. I, mm. I think that's, that, to me, makes uh, for a very rich life. I was recently at the annual celebration of the Chaldean eparchy, the Chaldean diocese. Mm. And um, the Chaldeans, the, Mal, uh, the Melkites, the Maronites, the Ukrainians, the Romanians... Uh, I'm sure I'm going to leave the, the Malabar, the Malincar, I'm going through the list in my head right yeah. now, the, the Ruthenians, uh, 
uh, having our Eastern Christian, uh, Eastern Catholic brothers and sisters uh, here in our midst is a great, great blessing. Well, Archbishop, I want to ask you too, I know, has it become more common or usual for the Pope to send bishops uh, to their home diocese? Because that's, I thought I remember at the time when you were assigned here, thinking that that's actually fairly unusual that they would send somebody to their to their home. Uh, is, am I right in that? Or is that, you no, know, it's becoming more common? It's out of the ordinary. And in the yeah. year, or the couple of years around the time of my appointment, there were a number of us bishops in the United States who uh, were uh, brought back from other places eventually to become the, mis- the bishop of the home diocese. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's been happening very much in the last few years as I observe it. But for, for a, around 2008 to 2010, there were several of us who were uh, called back to the home diocese. Yeah. All right, so our third and final question, Archbishop, is from Dominic, who did not provide a parish name. And his question is, uh, who is your favorite composer of liturgical music? What is your favorite liturgical hymn? So we asked two in there. My favorite liturgical hymn is the Pange Lingua. I think it's beautiful. It always moves me when I hear it. Uh, liturgical composer, some of the things I find most beautiful in liturgical music are chants, and those are generally anonymous. For me, the the most uh, uh, the, the composer, the uh, polyphonic composer that I, I most like is Palestrina. Beautiful. He is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Palestrina is beautiful. <laughs> Lawrence Bishop, thanks so much for taking the time today to to join on this podcast and share uh, share your thoughts on stewardship specifically. But I, I did, of course, want to close by asking you if you had any prayer intentions specifically that you know we, the listeners uh, and the faithful, could keep you in mind and, and keep that prayer intention in mind this next month. Well, I think one of the most important things for all of us to pray about in the the days ahead uh, is for the the growth of the catechumens as they uh, move toward. Uh, becoming numbered among the elect, and then prepare for the the Paschal Sacraments at the Paschal Vigil. Pray for the catechumens. Absolutely. Um, Archbishop, I don't know if you'd mind uh, closing our our time with a prayer and a blessing. Happy to do that, Mike. Uh, We began, uh, I began certainly this uh, time with you, uh, asking the Lord to bring good fruit. And uh, as Blessed Solanus says, I thank him ahead of time for the fruit it will bear, as I say, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Archbishop Alan Vigneron. Make sure to please subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts.